welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you're a guest, we want to say welcome home. If you're watching online, glad that you're joining us. We have been in a series, like I said, called No Place Like Home. And we've been using the Wizard of Oz, that classic story as the backdrop that's been popular through books, through film, through theaters, through television for the last 120 years. And we've been saying, what is it about this story that we just love so much? What is it about it that captures our attention? And and I've made the statement, I think 120 years from now, they're going to be playing the Wizard of Oz somewhere just because it's one of those stories. And I've contended that it's because it's that idea that there's no place like home. That place of love, that place of security, that place of safety, that place of growing and development, there's really no place like home. And if we're being honest, we want that peace. We want that love. We want that comfort. And a lot of times we don't find that in our homes. And we wish for that and we have a desire for that. And I would contend that is a God desire in our lives to want to have that. So each week we've been taking a character from the story and we've been looking at God's word, what we can learn about from home. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go to our website, yankton.church. You can go to our YouTube channel, our podcast, go back and listen to it. If you can binge Netflix, you can binge Jesus. And the first week we talked about the Wizard of Oz and we compared that to parenting. And how as a parent, we have a desire to be the all great and powerful Oz and all knowing. And yet our kids know better, don't they? (laughs) And to have the real power of parenting, we need to step out from behind the curtain. We need to be the real person that God created us to be, the real parent with real love, with real power, with real authority. And there's this yellow brick road. And every week, church, this yellow brick road is here to kind of remind us, God has given you a yellow brick road to follow with your family and with your kids. And then we looked at this scarecrow, my personal favorite character still. If he only had a what? That's right, if he only had a brain. So many people in our family, don't look at them, don't elbow them if they're next to you. We talked about wisdom, how that's important in our families. And if you remember, we had the four stools. I'm going to bring them back next week. If you missed it, you want to be here. We're going to talk about how we need to get wisdom no matter what. It's the most important thing. And then we talked about the tin man, his need for heart, and how family is really formed because two people fall in love, and can those people fall in love and stay in love together forever? Is that possible? And we looked at God's word to say we think that can happen if we choose to believe the best. And last week, we looked at the cowardly lion. We had a lot of fun. We had a ladder here. I made you all real nervous. If you missed it, go back and watch it. But we talked about overcoming our fears and what that means because there's a little cowardly lion in each one of us. So today... Without further ado, that's right, our little friend here, Toto. We're going to talk about our pets. Pets are a huge part of our family. Show of hands, how many of you have a pet in your house right now? How many of you have multiple pets in your house? How many of you wish your spouse would quit getting pets for you? Okay, don't don't raise your hand for that, okay? Pets are a huge part of our family. And again, thanks to Carrie for coming and kind of setting this up beautifully for us. And here's what I want you to know, church. God's word has a lot to say about animals. Did you know that? And we're going to look at that today. And so if you're a guest, this is a little bit different message than we typically do. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a lot of fun putting this together because there's a lot of things that God's word says about it. We're kind of be jumping around a little bit. But before we go on this journey, and so I don't lose any of you, I'm going to do something that they tell you never to do in public speaking. Okay, All the public say, don't do this. I'm going to break the rules today. Okay, I'm going to give you the main idea first. For some of you, like, great, I can check out and go home. Okay, you might do that. Okay, but, but I'm going to give this to you first because I don't want you to get lost. 
As we go on this journey together, we're going to a place that I want you to understand. And here's what it is. God has one desire for you in our life. One desire. The one thing that God has for desire for all of us is to be in relationship with you and I. Your pets, your family, your kids, no matter what, God has one desire. And that is for you to be in relationship with him. And there's a number one question. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Everyone asks me, Pastor, okay, I just need to know, what does the Bible say? Will my pet be in heaven with me? <laughs> Everybody wants to know that. I get that question. I know that's your question. And I'm going to tell you, we are going to address that, but you got to stay with me. I'm, I'm going to tease you on that. I'm not going to go there because here's what I want you to understand. God's desire is that everyone to have a relationship with him. And God's desire is for us to be drawn back together with him. So on your note sheet, so this is uh, your note sheet on the back of it's blank. The reason why it's blank is because there's some things I want you to write down. There should be some pens in front of your uh, pocket there. If you need a pen, raise your hand, we'll get you one. If you don't have one of these note sheets, I'm going to give you a couple things about animals and our role with animals. So here's the first one. You want to write this down. Animals are created by God. Animals are created by God. Animals are not a biological mistake. They are not a freak genetic accident. They are not a result of random chance. Animals were created intricately with a specific design, function, and purpose. Animals are created by God. Now, I know in the church, and I'm not talking our church, I'm talking Big C Church, right, the, the global church, there is a fear of science, okay? I don't quite get it. And, and I know sometimes we, we get afraid of that and, and we can step in some landmines here, so I'm gonna be careful what I'm saying here, but here's what I need you to understand. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we do not need to be afraid of science. Can I just say that? Here's what I'm telling you. And, and this always, I love this because, you know, a lot of uh, humanists who don't, atheists who don't believe in God, they, they, they get a little nervous when I say that, but it's fact and I wanna share this with you. Did you know that the very first scientists we're all Jesus followers. <laughs> Do you know why? Because they're not afraid of learning. They're not afraid of educating themselves and understanding how God works. And there's a lot of things, can we just agree, there's a lot of things as human beings we don't fully understand. And we think we're so smart, and then we go another generation, we go, oh, wait, that actually was totally wrong. Now we believe this. See, that happens, right? So here's, here's what I'm going to give you, and this is a guy by the name of Andy Stanley give this quote, so I'm going to steal it from him. But anytime you hear something in science or learn something about science, as a Jesus follower, here's our response. So that's how he did it. <laughs> we don't have to be afraid. That's how he did it. This is how God did it. Let's look at how God did it. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing within the water teems that moves about it according to their kind. Every winged bird according to its kind. That's the water, that's the sky. God created everything. What about the land, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. Livestocks, the creatures that move on the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. You may have heard a word repeated over and over and over again, the word kind. You heard that word? 
It's a very interesting word. And, and here's what it means. When you go back in the Hebrew, it means the specific type of animal God created, each according to its kind. Let me just pl- explain it to you as simple as possible. A dog has always been a dog. A dog was never a cat. God created cats. God created dogs. God created fish. God created different kinds of animals. What we know about this, and I don't want to get in the weeds here, but this is an important conversation, is that we'll take dogs, for example. There are many different types of dogs, lots of different breeds. If you get on the Internet right now, you'll see all kinds of breeds of dogs. Can I just be honest with you? I think we need to quit doing that. <laughs> Some of these dogs I'm looking at going, I don't think God ever intended that dog to look that way. <laughs> but, but that's what it said. God created each animal according to its kind. Why would God do that? Here's what I understand. Because God has one desire for you. God has a desire to bring you to a relationship with him. Why did God create all those different animals? Because we serve a really creative God. God has a lot of great imagination, doesn't he? Have you looked at some animals? I'm pretty sure when God created the duck-billed platypus, I think he started giggling. Okay? I, I think he looked at the angels, and the angels like, what are you laughing about? He's like, you won't get it, but it's just going to mess with people. Okay? What is it? Is it a thing? I don't know, right? God is created. Why would he do that? Do you know that there are animals in the depths of the ocean that we will never see? No human being will ever see. They'll never see daylight. Why would God do that? Because we serve a creative God. God has a love for animals. If you have a love for animals, that came directly from your God. He gave that to you because he loves animals. God created all the animals. We, when we see animals, we just need to understand how awesome our God is. Here's number two. Animals are created by God. Animals are our responsibility. I'm going to say that again. Animals are our responsibility. Do you know as a parent, like when you give your kid a little a pet, you know, why do we do that? Because we like pain and suffering. <laughs> yeah, when you give your child a pet, sometimes it can be a struggle, can it? But why do we do that? We want to teach our kids compassion. We want to teach our kids responsibility. We want to teach our kids protection. Did you know it's the exact same thing for God? When God created animals, he created them to be our responsibility. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to go to verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This verse is so pregnant with things. We could go all day on this, and I won't, I promise you, but You need to understand something. God gave us a responsibility to take care of animals. Did you know that this happened before sin happened? Did you know that there was work before sin? See, work is not a result of our sin. Work became hard because of our sin, but God gave us a job to do to care for the plants, the animals, before sin in the Garden of Eden. Why is that important? Because I think there's a misconception about heaven. That when you die and go to heaven, like you sit on a cloud and you play a harp. That's not heaven. That's actually hell. Okay? That, that's not heaven. Did you know that in heaven, we're going to have work to do? We're going to have responsibility. That's a little teaser for my answer to the question. Will there be pets in heaven, right? There's going to be animals there. But God gave us care for animals and all of creation. When we care for animals, we are worshiping God because it's our responsibility. That's why I love what Carrie does at Heartland Humane Society. That's why we need to support those things because the protection, the care for animals is human's responsibility. Why would God give us that responsibility? Because God has one desire, and that's to bring you into a relationship with him. 
So God gave us all the animals. And he said, here you go. Create man and woman. You guys get to take care of it. How did that go? Well, about as good as when you give your child a pet, okay? We lasted an entire chapter, and then we broke the whole thing. Genesis chapter 3, sin entered the world. God said, this is how you should live, and we just did what every teenager said or every kid that got a pet said, I don't think I really need to take it outside. I don't think I really need to feed it. And we broke that relationship with God, didn't we? And because of the Garden of Eden, everything changed. And our sin broke that relationship. So here's the third thing that happened. Animals were created by God. Animals are our responsibility. Animals are innocent of our sin. Animals are innocent from our sin. God made a distinction between humans and animals. It's very important you understand that. Not only because of our relationship with God, but because of the result of our sin. Humans were given the ability to disobey God. Did you know that animals were not given the ability to disobey God? That'll blow your mind. Animals weren't given free will, but because you and I did, we broke that relationship with God. It's now affected animals. Paul in Romans 8 verse 20 says this. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who's subject to it. That's you and I. Because of our sin, because of our broken relationship with God, animals now suffer. And you guys understand this too. When you give a pet to a child, if the child doesn't care for that pet, that animal suffers, doesn't it? It's not their fault. Maybe you've met a dog who's really mean. Did you know that dog wasn't born that way? That dog was created that way because of how they were cared for. And that's what our sin did. Now, there's two more things that I want you to write down about our sin before we go on. Because our sin changed our relationship with animals in two very important ways. Here's the first one. You want to write this down. Sin created fear in animals. Sin created fear in animals. Have you ever heard the phrase, animals are more afraid of you than you are of them? Okay, true for spiders too, by the way. <laughs> it's true. It's actually biblical. There's, a, there's an account in the book of Genesis called Noah's Flood. Now, there's a lot of people that say, oh, Noah's Ark, that was just a myth. It was just made up pastor. There's a lot of things you can say about that. Here, here's one of the things that I want to just kind of press on. One of the things that people say is, okay, pastor, how could one guy gather up all those animals? I can't even get my cat to come inside when I let him to go out to the bathroom. Really? You're telling me that one guy went and rounded up all the animals? If you don't understand that, it's because you haven't actually read the story. You haven't actually read what God's word actually says. Let's look at what God's word actually says. Genesis chapter 9, verse 2. The fear and dread of animals will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds of the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and all the fish in the sea. What does that mean? Before that point, there was no fear. Animals didn't have a fear of mankind like they do now. But because of our sin, they were instilled with this fear of mankind, which is why we experience that to this day. Which again, going back to Noah before the flood, that wouldn't have been a big deal. There's a second thing that sin did for us. It not only created fear in animals, sin created food by animals. The very next verse, Genesis 9.3 Everything that moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. In the Garden of Eden, we were all vegetarians. Did you know that? That's where we were created. We weren't intended to eat food by animals, but yet after that, after our sin created that, the fear created in that, and now God says, now you can eat animals as well. But God gave us a caveat with that. He understood that the animals would be afraid of us, but he did not change. Don't miss this, church. God did not change our responsibility to care for animals. Look at what verse 5 says. 
I will demand an accounting from every animal. And for each human being too, I will demand an accounting for life of a human being. You know what God didn't say? God didn't say, I'm going to demand an account for every carrot that you eat. <laughs> okay? God didn't demand an account for every carrot we eat. But he did say this. He made a distinction between animals and plants. In the same way that there's a distinction between humans and animals, God said, listen, there's a distinction between animals and plants. You guys have all eaten plants. That's all you've eaten. Now I'm giving you animals to eat. But listen to this. You need to take care of those animals. This is not just a smorgasbord where you can go out and kill and eat whatever you want. You need to make sure you're protecting that because I'm going to give an account for all of the animals that we have. This is why, church, and this is so important, every follower of Jesus Christ should be an environmentalist. Every follower of Jesus Christ should understand how we should protect our animals, not only in hunting laws, fishing laws, but how about the great apostle Bob Barker who always said, help control the pet population. Have your pets what? Did you know that's an act of worship? You're giving an account for every animal. If you're being irresponsible with animals, you are not worshiping God. That's why every follower of Jesus should be an environmentalist. So animals are created by God. Animals are our responsibility. Animals are innocent from our sin. But here's the fourth one. You want to write this down. Animals are to draw us back to God. And there we go with what we're talking about. Everything God does in your family, in your marriage, in your kids, with your pets. Everything God does is to draw us back to relationship with God. You see, there's one thing in the Bible that I think some people have problems with when it comes to animals. You probably know where I'm going with this. We're going to talk about animal sacrifices. And you might say, you might look back at that and you say, what kind of sick and twisted God says, now we need to kill these animals, we need to sacrifice it. What was that all about, Pastor? That's a pretty difficult thing to have to walk through until you actually read what God's word says. Church, you hear me say this all the time. You need to actually read what God's word says about these things, and it will totally make sense to you. You see, there were gods in the ancient world that were angry, you know, mad, and we have to please these gods, and we've got to satisfy these gods. This is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible does not require animals for him. In fact, this is what he says in Psalm. You don't have to go there. But he says, I have no need for your animals. I have no need for your bulls. I'm not hungry. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I don't need your animals. So, okay, pastor, then why would God say, why do we need to do these animal sacrifices? And I'm going to come back to it one more time. Because everything God does is to draw us into a relationship with him. Let me help you with this. I'm going to give you a real practical example. Because this is a big idea we need to unpack. I had the privilege of growing up on a farm. And how many people grew up on a farm in this room? Okay, all right. It's a great privilege. And I had the privilege to be around animals. We had pigs on our farm. We had horses. Um, we had lots of cats. We had some dogs, too. And here's the thing that being on a farm teaches you about animals. And my parents did a wonderful job of instilling this in me. When you live around animals, you understand that death is part of life. You see that, and you see that lived out in your pets, in your animals. Death is a part of life. See, we had animals that we had to put to sleep, and that wasn't fun. That was hard. That was difficult. Maybe you've gone through that too as a family, and we need to understand that. But here's why I think the problem is as we get further away from our agricultural roots, as we become a more industrialized, more city nation, we get away from that factor. We don't understand the fact that death is part of life. And animals can teach us about that so much. And God, as a loving parent, wanted us to understand this with animals. 
which brings us back to animal sacrifices. And you might say, oh, that started with Moses and the law and, and that. It actually goes back even further than that. In fact, it's going to go back to Genesis chapter 3, where we just were. Adam and Eve, we already talked about it. God gave them everything, perfection, harmony, unity. And he said, okay, take care of this stuff. And we wasted a whole chapter, and then we screwed it up, didn't we? And we got finally sin. You've heard me preach this before. Adam and Eve, when they realized that they were naked, they took these fig leaves and sewed them together and tried to cover up their nakedness. Now, how many of you, when either you were kids or your kids did something that was wrong, they knew it was wrong, they tried to cover it up, but they did a really terrible job of covering it up? Anybody ever had that before, right? And if, if, it, if you weren't so mad, uh, it might actually be kind of funny, <laughs> and maybe you had to turn around and laugh. This is this picture for you. Picture this, Adam and Eve, okay? They've just sinned, and they've got these pathetic little fig leaves, and they're trying to cover up, and God said, where are you? And what did Adam say? Remember what Adam said? I hid from you because I was afraid because I was naked. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? To which Adam said, yes, of course, God, and I take responsibility. No, he didn't. He blamed his wife, who blamed the snake, right? Who blamed, who blamed, and we've been blaming ever since. And God said, listen, I created you for something so much better than this. And because I love you and because I'm your parent, there's a consequence for your actions right now. And you no longer can live in the garden. And work's going to become hard. And you're still going to care for animals, but it's going to be difficult. And now what's happened is death is now a part of life. And the snake said to Eve, you surely won't die, which actually was true. Did she die when she ate the fruit? Not right away. Did she die eventually? You bet she did. And Adam and Eve, don't miss this, church. Adam and Eve had no clue what death actually was. No animal, no clue what a death actually was. And this is why Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, is probably the most precious verse in all the scripture. And I'm going to read it to you. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Picture this, church. These little kids that God loved dearly, that he created, had these pathetic little fig leaves over them. And he was mad. He was frustrated. He said, listen, now you've broken fellowship with me, but now come here. I love you, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to care for you. And the rest of Scripture is God doing that exact same thing. But God needed to show Adam and Eve something that had changed, and he took an animal. Remember, to this point, nothing else had died, and God killed that animal in front of Adam and Eve, and they saw that death. Do you think that was shocking for Adam and Eve? Think that was shocking for the animal that he killed? That's why God took that animal and killed it. That's where animal sacrifices started. Now we're going to fast forward all the way to Moses. You've heard me preach this before, church. Exodus chapter 12. There was a guy named Moses. They went down to Egypt. And Moses started something with God called the Passover. And, and they were the, the plagues of Egypt. And I won't go into that. But basically what Moses said is, listen, on the 10th day of the month, every family in Israel is to take a one-year-old baby lamb. And you're to bring it in your house and keep it there until the 14th day. Let me unpack this for you, what God's saying. You're going to take this cute one-year-old boy, baby lamb, bring it in your house on Thursday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're going to care for this little lamb. You're going to feed it. You're going to water it. You're going to clean up after it. Do you think there might have been some emotional attachment that happened with that little baby lamb over those four days? Remember Passover. If I can give you some examples, this is basically the emotional equivalent of Christmas for us. 
So it's not just your family, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. All the kids are there. They're all happy. They're celebrating Passover together. Oh, we're going to bring the little lamb in. And oh, isn't he cute? Isn't he great? And the little kids are like, oh, look at the little lamb. And they're playing with it. And older siblings, because I'm the youngest and older siblings, sometimes you guys stink. I'm just saying that, right? Older sibling looks at the little one and goes, yeah, I guess what we're going to do, that lamb. And the little kid starts crying and goes to mommy and goes, mommy, Hezekiah just said we've got to kill the lamb. And the mom would stop and take a deep breath, wouldn't she? Well, son, actually, that is what's going to happen. And on the 14th day, they took that little baby lamb and they would sacrifice it. And the Bible said they would not only that, they would eat it. And if anything was left, they burned it up. Now, I think we sanitize that. and We like to breeze over that. Do you think that was emotional for that family? Do you think there might have been some tears shed when that happened? Why would God do that? Because God wanted a reminder of what happened way back in the Garden of Eden. Death is a part of life. It was not that supposed to be that way, but because of our sin, because of the way we turn our back on God, now every single year, every Jewish family is going to have this tradition of Passover. And church, for 1,500 years, every single year, every single Jewish family would get a one-year-old baby lamb, bring it in their house on Thursday, care for it, love it, and on Sunday, four days later, they would sacrifice it to God and they would say, remember, because our God loves us and death is now a part of life because of our sin. And this happened all the way until a young Jewish couple named Mary and Joseph came along. And church, I never thought about this until God prepared this message, and it just blew my mind. Do you realize that Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry? So for at least 30 years, Jesus, in his Jewish family, every single year, would take that little baby lamb and have it in their house for four days, and then on Sunday, they would have to sacrifice that. Think about Mary who knew who Jesus was, who knew the reason why Jesus was there to be the Lamb of God. When she heard the cousin John say, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. Think how that stabbed her in the heart as a mother. Because she knew what was coming. This will really blow your mind. Think about this for a second. Jesus was the oldest male child in their family. And tradition would tell us that at that point, his role as the eldest son would actually be at one point to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Can you imagine Jesus himself seeing the Passover and actually taking the Passover lamb and actually sacrificing the Passover lamb in his family and understanding that? What do you think that did for Mary? To look at that and to look at her son see that, to know what was going to happen. And church, if you know where I'm going with this, you can understand that that's why we have this cross here. And I'm going to say it again. Why did God do all that? Because God has one desire, and that is to have a relationship with you. And my Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God. All of those animal sacrifices at that point were pointing to what Jesus was going to do way back in the garden. Not the Passover of the blood, not the covering of the skin, but the covering from our sin, from what we've done to God, for you and I and every single one of us. See, that's why that cross is offensive. Because Jesus climbed up on that cross. And the Gospel of John tells us that his mother Mary stood at the foot of that cross. Can, can I just make a speculation for a second? As Mary, the mother of Jesus, I bet when she stood there, I bet she thought back on all those Passovers, at least 30 of them, probably more. 
and she remembers little Jesus as a little boy the first time they brought that little lamb in, and maybe he cried the first time they had to sacrifice that Passover lamb. And maybe she remembered that first time when her boy, Jesus, who had grown up and become a man, and now it was his turn to sacrifice the Passover lamb. She thought about those moments and those teachings that she said to her and her little brothers and his sisters. And now she stood at the foot of the cross, and she saw her son hang up there as the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What kind of God would do that? A God who loves you, dear who wants to have a relationship with you. And here's what the death of Jesus did. Not only did it end the animal sacrifice, because there's no point to doing it anymore. God didn't change, we did, because now a perfect lamb had been sacrificed for that. Think of the millions of animals that have been saved because of what Jesus did, but how much more our own lives, that we now have a way that God can make us straight to him. And we don't have to put the blood over our doorposts. We've been, millions of people have been saved because of that and because of what Jesus did on that cross. Because God has one desire, and that's for us to be in a relationship with him. And now that I got you all emotional, we're going to go back to that question that all of us have is, will my pets be in heaven with me? Now, I've already kind of tipped my hand a little bit because you know that in creation, when God returns, creation will be restored. There will be no more fear of animals. We'll still have responsibility to care for them. But will my pet, will my pet be in heaven? Can I help you with something? I think that's the wrong question. Can I give you an even better question? Will you be in heaven? I can find nothing in Scripture that says your specific pet is going to be in heaven. I'm sorry to tell you that. But I can tell you something. I can shine passage after passage after passage that says every man, woman, and child matters to Jesus Christ. And he offers, when he went to the cross for you, for your sins, he offered a free gift that he extends to every man, woman, and child that says, here, you can accept the consequence for your sin. I've already paid it for you. We don't need to kill lambs anymore. It's done. It's taken care of. All I've got to do is surrender and say yes and acknowledge my sin. And I guarantee you, I can guarantee you that you will be in heaven with Jesus forever because God wanted to restore that. But church, you hear me preach this all the time. Why wait? We pray it every week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On what church? On as it is in Jesus' goal was not so you could die and go to heaven someday. Jesus' goal was to restore creation today. And that's what we need to do with the church. That's what we're doing right here. We come to worship God. We can be free from the burdens of our sin. And let me ask you this question. Will you be in heaven? Once that question is answered, how about your family? How about your parents? How about your kids? Have they accepted that free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross? That his mother Mary stood and watched him remembering all those things? Everything God does is to bring us into relationship with him. Animals are a wonderful way to show that. Every single animal was created by God. I love our creative God. I love how creative he is. I love that we can look through science and find new and amazing animals, which I think is funny when we discover a new animal, right? Science gets all excited. They write a journal. They're like, hey, here's a brand new animal. And God's sitting in heaven going, yeah, I, I did that. I, I've known that for a thousand years. Isn't that funny? We think we're so smart, right? But God created everything. Animals are our responsibility. We need to be responsible for our creation. All of animals. Animals are innocent from our, our sin. 
They're subject to the, the dysfunction of creation that is in the world today. But church, the good news of today, I hope you hear, is Jesus came to restore that creation. And we're part of the answer if you first accept that free gift of salvation that God has given us and provided us. Let's go ahead and go to a time of prayer. And before I pray, I just need to take a moment. If there's anyone in this room right now or maybe watching online or listening to the podcast that you have not yet received that free gift of salvation that Jesus offered, that he paid for on the cross, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And if this is the prayer you can pray, you can pray along with me. God, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. Thank you for sending Jesus to be your perfect lamb to take those sins away from me and to save me from death. And God, I now receive that free gift. And I'm going to choose to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. We thank you and ask it in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you did it again on your connection card, I want you to go ahead and mark that spot. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to support you on that. And for the rest of us in the room, maybe you've done that again or again or, or maybe you're just thinking through. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now. And again, just in the quietness of our heart right now, maybe there's a person that you need to share that with. Because here's the thing. I can't tell you that your pet's going to be in heaven with you, but I can guarantee you your sister, your brother, your father, your mother, aunts, uncles, your neighbor, your coworker. We want them there. We don't need them to come to church. We, we need them to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's make that our number one focus because that's the focus of our God. God, I thank you for the wonderful gift that animals are. Thank you, how that they can point to you, God, how we can see your love through them and, and experience that and share that, God. And God, I thank you for the example that animals have been in our lives and through our history about how death is now part of our creation. And it's a hard lesson to learn, God, and, and maybe there's somebody here who, who's lost a pet and, and it's really affected them, God. I just pray that they would feel your comfort and your peace. And God, I pray that we would support and continue to protect animals, continue to love people. But most importantly, God, that we would everything points back to you. Everything points back to you in our relationship with you, that we would get that relationship restored. And sometimes we can experience that through our animals. And when we understand that, God, there's truly no place like home. We ask this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. God bless.